me. I hear him coming to the case. He's just trying to smoke. I'm trying to light up his. You don't necessarily know what the future is going to hold. 100%. Right? Yeah. And the accuracy is you don't. Yeah. Number one. Number two, but what do you control? You can control your discipline, how you execute against every single day. And you can create a plan to do that. But you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But with the, with the idea of doing the things the right way day after day after day, the outcome is going to be what you want it to be. So what that means is it takes time. So what I heard from you earlier is you're committed to this. Good. You know what that means? In 10 years, you'll, you'll make this what you want it to be. Because it's going to take you 10 years to do that. And I'm just learning the patience that it takes as it goes along. Right. Like I'm but, learning every day. But that's, that's a blessing. Because you know why that's a blessing? Because mm -hmm. you're getting better every day. And when you get better every day, everyone around you gets better every day. Exactly. And when everyone around you gets better every day, your community gets better every day. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it's about. Exactly. That's it. And with that... Welcome back. That's going to be the intro. Welcome back to Voices from the Staircase, the world's most Toronto podcast. As you can see, we got our brother Sachi. Yeah, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? That's a... Give a round of applause. How you feeling, my brother? I'm good. I'm, it's been a busy couple days. Yeah. I'm a little tired, tell, but man, man, I'm on energy, man. I can tell. Uh, You're pretty good, bro. It's a blessing that we have you here today. Oh, thanks, man. This, this one was not planned, but yeah. it was what we needed. It was what we needed, honestly. It's what I needed, man. I think, Thank you know you. what? what everyone if we if we need it in the moment we need it so it's 100%, all good we've been talking a whole lot before the podcast started hopefully yeah. we caught maybe i'm gonna put that in there as much as i can yeah we edit it down we'll do whatever you need to do Versace, where are you originally from so i um i came from vancouver today okay so BC. I, yeah, surrey bc it's surrey actually yeah, yeah south surrey, surrey yeah. yeah i live in, in south surrey bc just uh like 10 minutes from the u.s border yeah. i live pretty close to it and i've lived there for the last i don't know 20 25 years or so 20 years? 20, 25 years, wow. Yeah, so I'm 44, yeah. and I moved there when I was 20. 20? Yeah, but, but I didn't live there the whole time, and I moved around a lot more. Around BC? Um, no, I moved to Ontario again. <laughs> oh, Ontario. Yeah. Where are you living in Ontario? So I, I came to Ontario. I went to join the military college uh, in Kingston, Ontario. So the Royal Military College, is I that, went there. What is, is that like training for the military? What is that about? So the Royal Military College is in Kingston, Ontario. And so in the military, you have um, two avenues of progression, right? One avenue is of a non-commissioned rank, which is your privates, your corporals, your, you know, the, the people that are the infrastructure of the military and execute against what the managers say. So um, I went to RMC, which trains mm -hmm. officers. And officers are the managers, yeah. the supervisors, so to speak. So they would be your second lieutenant, lieutenant, captain, major, generals, and all these kind of people, right? So the military college, I went there to um, go to school. And when you go there, you get your military training, but you also get a university degree. That's good. That's good. That's but it would have been good if I finished. <laughs> did you truly? Like, I, like, I washed out, man. How long did you go? Like, I went there for... Uh, and how long does it take to finish? Like? So there was two programs, right? One where you're a regular force and one where you're a reservist. And the reg force, you, you, they pay for your entire education for four years, and then you have to commit to five years after that. So it's a total of nine years commitment. I went to the reserve, uh, the reserve way of going, which was I pay for my education, mm -hmm. but then um, when I go for my military training, they also pay me on top of it. And then I have the option after I graduate to leave, right? So it wasn't 
a full-on commitment I, you know i went through a different sort of programming for that um but um i had some of my own issues at that time too right and um so i was a heavy drinker then right mm-hmm. and um and i didn't really know where i was fitting in in, in life at that time so the reality was I was, I shouldn't even had gone there. I should have squared myself away before I even went because I wasn't ready to be doing anything. When you say you're a heavy drinker, like how would you know if you're a heavy drinker? And when did you start drinking? Like, so I, st- I started drinking when I was 19. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't much of a drinker. My parents were fairly strict and my dad was pretty strict with, you know, like all of our families from immigrant backgrounds. Yeah, my dad was, you know, he would, uh, he would, wouldn't spare the, the hand from time to time. And he would, um, no, that's just the nature of the culture, right? 100%. Right? All of us. Uh, yeah. We talked about that in one of our episodes before. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes my dad would drink. And, you know, sometimes we'd feel that too, right? So, now he was a great dad. I have no issues. Like, um, could things have been done better? Sure. Yeah, for sure. But that can be any case. But having said that, um, we struggled a lot. When did your parents? Sorry, to yeah, yeah, go When did sorry, your parents come to Canada? So my dad and mom came to Canada. So I'm 44. I think it was like 45 years ago. 45. Years and they, but they went didn't come straight to Canada. My mom left India when she was 11 and went to England, and my dad left India when he was 19 and went to England. So they came early. Early, yeah. early, early. So like, let's say my dad's probably like. 79 80 now so like 60 years ago he left uh he left india and my mom left 60 years ago as well something like that when we talk about our immigrant parents like I, like before i never really understood our parents like all the people that came from somalia like how how they did things but then when i look like as you get older i look at it like they didn't know like just they're, they're in a foreign country to them like they didn't grow up here grow up here yeah. they don't know what we know coming up here yeah. you know well i mean that's a good point, man. It's a lot of, yeah. That's like, a good point. Because, like, uh, I used to be angry from time to time. At, at my parents would function. Even sometimes now I think about how they were when I was younger. I'm like, that's not. But then I start, I want to empathize with them. And I do that with most of the time when I start getting judgmental with people, right? Because I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not perfect. I've messed up more than most people. <laughs> and so what I try to do in those scenarios, I try to put myself in their shoes. What would I have done? If I was given those circumstances, and the reality is, I don't know. (laughs) The reality is, maybe worse. One hundred percent. Like I don't know. So I'm like pretty proud of my parents. Yeah. And I'm proud of my father and mother for being able to grind for as long as they did. Was their life perfect? No. Did they have a happy life? They would say yes, but I would maybe argue it could have been better, and life could have been much better if they had done things differently. But did they ever tell you why they came to the left India? Well, my dad told me. <laughs> so our uh, so our family in India had a military background. background. So and my but my grandfather wasn't in the military. He was a police officer, and his so my grandfather's father was in the military. So that's my great grandfather, and then my great great grandfather was, and then my great grand uncle was, and then my uncle was. So a lot of people were in the police and the military. Yeah. My dad was like, I don't want to fucking do that. <laughs> he was like, wasn't for him, right? My dad felt like he was more of a free spirit and like an art. He wanted to be an actor. That's what he used wow. to tell me. My dad was like, I want to be an actor. 
But my his grand my grandfather was like, oh yeah, the fuck you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, they look at it like what? Yeah, what do you want? Well, your dad even wanted to do that. Yeah, know? yeah, but he, he's he, Bollywood, you know the whole thing, right? Back and in I'll the tell day. You what, yeah. I, us in Somali backgrounds, we grew up on Bollywood. Bollywood, yeah, man. Movies, <laughs> Bollywood songs. Yeah, like, I could sing you Bollywood songs right now. Well, let's save it from mm-hmm. actually. You want to do that right now? We'll do it later. He'll we'll break it into karaoke yeah. anytime. Like, <laughs> video went viral of him singing Bollywood songs. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. How was it? Okay, wait, no, wait, wait. I'm going to stop you right there now. How have you not cut a Sidhu track? Sidhu Mazwala? Yeah. Man, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I found out about him maybe like six months before he passed away. Okay. Well, man, that, he's from Toronto. Well, he wasn't from Toronto, but he, he made most of his name here. Yeah. And um, man, I bet that would go viral. Yeah, 100%. You know, one of my homies actually made a track with him, a guy that I know. Oh, yeah? He made a song with him. Nice. But it was, it was, I, I found it strange for our parents because they don't understand a word of Indian, but yeah. they watched the whole movie front to back. I think, I mean... And they I had us it. watching it as kids. I wonder what that is. I guess, did you guys have your own movie industry in, in, to, to watch from? Was, no, no. So maybe maybe there was, that was the only alternative that was entertainment that you could possibly watch that was somewhat close Every Somali lady, every Somali man. Yeah. Singing, Mera man. Yes. Come on. Come on. I, I don't want well, to go in depth. Well, that, I know what you're saying, though, and I can feel it. I can yeah. feel it, bro. Yeah. Awesome. Go, go no, but I think um, back to what you're saying, like uh, my dad, he wanted to be an actor, but my grandfather wasn't having it. So my grandfather said, You either join the military or you get an education. So my dad said, Okay, I'm going to peace out, I'll go to England, see if I can get an education. And that's kind of what precipitated him leaving. So he went, and like many immigrant families, he grinded, right? And he didn't know English. He, he left India 60 years ago on, on Christmas Day. He hadn't seen snow before, wow. right? He hadn't seen a white person before. He tripped him out. He hadn't yeah, seen a girl. These are things that he's telling me, right? Mm-hmm. These are stories that I heard. He's like, I hadn't even seen a girl dress. This is the, his words, quote, unquote, scantily clad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he never seen a girl wear a dress with short sleeves. And now you go to England in the 60s or whatever the fuck it was, and your brown guy. So I suspect back then he probably wasn't treated that well either. 100%. Right? So he couldn't even find a place to live because no one would rent to him. Right? Because he was brown. And then, but he still had to work. He still had to figure out his thing. So, I mean, I, there's some level of strength or something I get from that, man. Because he used to go to school during the day. Didn't know English, but had to learn English. Went to university eventually. Went to school during the day. Worked in a factory all night. And then went back to school during the day. We just do that back and forth for four years. Yeah. He did wow. that for four years wow. and killed it. Wow. And they got a scholarship for his master's in electrical engineering. But then he started for the first five years of when he left England from 19 to 25 years old, 24, actually 19, to 24. He did not rest. It was just constantly working and then sending money back to India yeah. to get it. He had four younger sisters and he had to pay. Um, he, he sent money to get them married. Right. So he had to pay to help him married. So the first time he went to go visit, was when he was 24, 25, and it was like five or six years later. Mm. He didn't recognize his sisters. Wow. They're all grown up. They're grown up. And he never communicated with anyone because back then they didn't have phones. It was all written letter. Wow. <laughs> wow. So he was writing letters and stuff. So my dad still has those letters. Wow, amazing. Like, so it's, it's crazy hearing these stories, but like knowing that he grinded, ended up getting a full scholarship. He was the only brown guy in his, like getting a master's of electrical engineering back then. Right? Only person of color. Wow. That's so, amazing. So like for me, like it's like, pretty impactful now that I can reflect back on how he grinded and what he did. And that was only one part of the experience. I mean, he had 
a lot of difficulty um, and tri- tribulations throughout life. And he had made the decisions that w- there were no good decisions, but exactly. so he had to make the best worst decision. And that ended up affecting both my brother and myself. Like he, my dad ended up losing all his money. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when I was about um, 18, right. He lost all his money. So we had money. Right. So we were living in the States at one point because my dad ended up getting transferred to the States uh, with a company that he was working with. And then, um, you know, he ended up getting laid off and then he, they gave him some money like as a later, like a severance package, but it wasn't enough money to come back to Canada because we were living in the States. So it wasn't enough to actually, okay, what are we going to do with this money? And I was like 12. My brother was like 15 at the time. So we were stuck in the States at this time. We're like, what the fuck are we going to do? Where are you guys living in the States? Dallas. Dallas, Texas, yeah. Eh? yeah, so we were there, and now my parents, my dad's freaking out, and he's like, fuck it, we'll just stay here. And my dad used whatever money he had and bought a business. Right. And then, it, and my dad was an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he opened up a restaurant. Over there? Yeah, because he had yeah. no other alter, like, other way of figuring out what to do. Yeah. And Indian food? No. Random, okay. He bought a restaurant that was already running, that had some, of, some income, and then he could go there and kind of learn and then figure out how to do the business. And it was still a grind and he wasn't making a ton of money, but eventually it was an Italian restaurant. Yeah, yeah an Italian. He didn't know anything about fucking Italian food. Yeah, straight up, like risk, like next level. And, but he learned it and he ended up grinding and he made that business. Step. And so back about 19, what are we at? 2020 now? So like, I don't know, 94? Yeah, around 94. Yeah. He had this restaurant. He was making 150, 175k a year, and he nice. built it from like on his own. So, but what happened was, he used that money to open another one. Got a franchise off, and then it just that that didn't work out. And then losing everything, all the money, then we didn't have a house. We had to move into a hotel. We were living in a hotel, essentially homeless for about six months to a year. And then when that was going on, I, I had started going to school, university, and I. Under those circumstances, as you can imagine, it's not the easiest way to study in university. So I flunked out every, every time. And then at that time, my parents, then I'm working full, trying to help my parents, right? Trying to, you know, survive. Mm-hmm. Try, you try to work and stuff to help? Yeah, them? yeah. But we just couldn't really. Then my parents were like, okay, because I was working in the restaurant that they had. We closed one of them and then we had the other one. And then that one was just no it was like no one was entering it was like empty and so we were grinding every single day just being there trying to do something so that was adding to all, all kinds of shit so my parents were fighting and all these d- different things and then eventually my parents were like we can't sustain this so they sold everything and moved back to india and then my brother and i were like what the fuck are you want to do you guys spent time in india too no we didn't go oh you stayed back in america yeah, we stayed in dallas and then my brother and i my brother at the time had a girlfriend here uh, in vancouver and so he's like oh yeah let's go to vancouver Okay. How old were you guys at the time? Uh, um, my brother was 20, uh, 23. I was 20. I was, no, I was 19 to 20 in and around there. My brother was 23, so in and around that age group. And um, okay. so we got a U-Haul truck and packed our shit and drove, drove, down to, BC. drove to, Van- to Vancouver. And didn't know what to do. And just kind of grinded. Ended up working at bullshit place, gas station, Blockbuster, mm-hmm. like whatever right yeah, just, trying to grind, just, grind to, it just, up, just to survive yeah just to make ends meet right and i wasn't doing well like mentally and, and me and my can, brother didn't have the best i can imagine yeah. and i was yeah. drinking a lot right so like i was just but i didn't know what was a lot i was just like oh, i'm having a good time i was yeah. escaping exactly. i was just trying to Which avoid cold, i was trying to yeah man i was trying to avoid all the things right and um 
that kind of happened for a while. I was just fucking around. I wasn't really doing much for years. All the stuff you had to deal with, your family losing all their money, having to become homeless, sleep in hotels, and your family up, having to up and move to Canada, and you come to BC. Like, that affected you. Yeah, massive, that man. affected you. Massively. Well, it affected... Uh, so that, so if, if you can imagine, you can combine everything that's affecting you, let's say, for example. So my dad was also, you know, I was scared. So I'm always scared going home. Because it's having strict parents. So uh, having, um, what I've learned through some of my research and educating myself and seeing psychologists on a regular basis is that parents have to provide certain things for their child. And if, I were, if we were to talk to our parents and ask what those things are, they would say that they're doing them. But the reality is, my parents did it. Yeah, they loved me, but that doesn't make a good parent. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a good parent is, based on my understanding, provides a safe and secure home, safe environment, and, you know, and love, and guidance, and preparing the child for the next phase of life. Right? 100%. So that's a parent's role. A parent is a coach that is always guiding throughout their entire life or at least until they're 18. So there is no guesswork. That's kind of how I think it should be. Yeah. In, in the sense of like, not, there is guesswork, but there's guidance in the sense of like coaching someone. So you might, if someone's doing something, you're going to provide the guidance in a manner that they're, they're going to take it in. Not, hey, you're a fucking idiot. I'm going to hit you. Would you, like, that's from, like, I really believe, like, that's a lot of immigrant parents, you know? And mm -hmm. if, I don't know where it came from. Like, maybe back home, that's how they do it. Well, I, I, I don't know. I can only speak for, again. I speak for my people, too. Like, my, my mom used to tell me, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah. fix it up. You know what I'm saying? Well, I suspect. Mm -hmm. It probably is somewhat cultural, but then, you, you know, there's something called generational trauma. And if, if you're being oppressed and subjugated and whatever other thing for hundreds, thousands, whatever many years, that changes a people. Now, I don't know how it does. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it does to some degree because logic, I'm a logical person. I think that probably would change people. Now, why are certain groups more prone to alcoholism than others? There, there must be some reason, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. There must be a connection. Mm -hmm. And from my understanding, I've read a bunch of books and Gabor Mate is another one. He's a Canadian psychologist, psychiatrist that writes on trauma and how it affects people and what people do and how they respond to trauma. And trauma is far more than what people really realize, exactly. right? And it does imprint permanently unless you make changes on how you think. So I think extremely differently now compared to January of this year. And if you were to have had me on this podcast in January, it would be an entirely different one because of the growth and the learning that, and the changes that I'm making to mitigate my trauma responses that it, I probably that are for me have been difficult to manage over some period of time based on the amount of traumas that I've experienced, or at well, least how I've What do you think helped you from here, like the change? Like, what made you make that change from January to now? What are some things that kind of so I, you? yeah, so the last three years have been really the major movement forward. And what precipitated that was rock bottom. Separation. You hit rock bottom in your life. Not, yeah, in my life. Not with uh, drugs or anything, but with other stupid behavior, right? So I, um, 
Yeah. It started when I was got separated and divorced. Marriage. Marriage. I can, I can right? do that, man. And, and yeah. for me, I wasn't happy with the person I was at that time. I just wasn't happy with who I was. And I can't say why or why not. I just, well, I cheated on my wife. Mm-hmm. Right? I wasn't a good husband. Yeah. And I want, I, and I, I, I'm not a bad person. Yeah. So I started asking myself questions. Why am I self-destructive? Because I kept doing self-destructive things throughout my life. And it's been a constant theme. So for me, the pandemic gave me an opportunity to take a break and reflect on things. All that time alone, eh? Yeah. Not being able to go outside. But people yeah. need that, dude. They need time to reflect. So for me, I, I think however difficult those last two or three years have been and how, like, I got pretty close to really dark times, right? And I would not give it up for where I am today and where I'm going to be next year and where a lot of other things are going to be in the next five or ten. So I think for me to unplug, reflect in that manner, and really, I didn't do anything for a year, but really focus on me. How were you reflecting though? What would you say? Like just thinking about your life for you? Yeah. So Going was, back in time. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I was doing everything that you would think that one should do to improve themselves. So I was, I was buying books. I was reading books. I was seeing my psychologist. I was asking, I was meeting new people. I was asking questions. I was doing meditation. I was being mindful. I was exercising. I was setting goals. I was trying to achieve things. Like, I was doing everything. <laughs> And I was seeking the one thing that really fast forwarded everything was finding like-minded people and surrounding myself around them. And then also finding a mentor or someone that can help me um, get what I want or achieve what I'm trying to get. And for me, that was difficult. And eventually I was on a mission to find someone to help me. And last year, I, on the 7th of November, I had run that. I ran 100K, right? Crazy. And Crazy. I, ran, I ran 100K in under 15 hours to raise money for veterans and first responders with PTSD. And I ended up raising $21,000. And that was the first Amazing. time I ever did anything for anyone else like that, right? Yeah. And, what that, and I was on Global News a couple times and did some stories and whatever. That 100K, you ran it? Like, how does that work? Are you running it 15 hours you're taking a break in between. I'm, I'm, right. well, so. What time do you start? Like, how I, start, I started, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I just set a goal to do something. So the entire year, I was in depression, massive anxiety, in major trauma state. And I was obsessed and consumed with trying to figure out how to run faster and, or how to run longer. That's all I was focused on. Because I was in a basement suite all by myself fucking no money, divorced. Um, everything I felt in my life was falling apart. And I had no control, zero control. Over your own life. Oh, it, I, that's how I felt. And the only thing I knew how to control was my, like, um, fucking run or do something. But at the time, I was also, I lifted a lot. And I used to, I was doing jujitsu all the time. Pandemic stopped jujitsu. And for me, I was connecting with friends at jujitsu. When they took that away from me, I fucking went down even further. Yeah, I seen that one podcast. Uh, yeah. One of the brothers who did jujitsu. Yeah, man. And I got super depressed over it. And then I was just like, I need to do something. I'm going to fucking either start drinking or do something stupid. You're looking for something to replace negativity. The, the negativity I was trying to do something because I knew what I would do. I knew what I would do if I started doing something silly. I know myself. If I started drinking, started partying or whatever, it would have, it would have been a wrap. It would have been done. So I knew that. 
So I didn't, I made sure I didn't start. And I was like, okay, I need to do something. I bought David Goggins book. Can't hurt me. I read a couple of chapters and I was like, I'm going to fucking run. I hate running. I'm going to do that. And I was like, and I hadn't ran in 25 years. I'm not a runner. I was like, I don't even know why, man. I was just like, fuck it. Let's go. And I decided then and there I was going to do that. I didn't ponder it. I didn't think about it. I didn't say, okay, maybe I'll start next week. Like how long did it now, take you to do it from the time you like envisioned okay. it? So I started envisioning it. And for me, this is where I think I was meant to do these things. Because then it just became organic. And then it just became natural for me to do everything that I was doing. Because it was so difficult to um, train and run. And I was by myself. No one was helping me. I had no friends anymore. All my friends of 18 years didn't really stop talking to me, really. And um, so it was like, I just was obsessed. I wanted to get better. How do I do this thing? It was like just the problem that I was trying to solve. And then I was just trying to do that. And when I was doing that, I was maybe, you know what? Maybe that you're asking, not that you're asking now, I'm thinking about it. It was probably a distraction. So just distracting distracting yourself from everything else yeah like how fucked up my life was man I, I was, my life was a mess like really bad would you say people have to hit like rock bottom in order like would you say people have to fail a bunch of times to finally wake up and make a change in your life but I feel like along the way like I feel like most people they make the change in their life after they fell like a million times you know and everything goes wrong for them like a majority of the people Everything goes wrong from the, everybody, for them. Everybody abandons them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then find, some people get stuck in that, mm-hmm. in that the darkness, but then there's, there's a vast majority of people that actually wake up and they yeah. say, yo, I'm going to do this, and they get to it. Well, I think um, no one does it alone. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? So maybe the people that are stuck in it have never gotten the help that maybe can get them out of it. I was lucky, to be honest. I met a friend saved my life straight up mm-hmm. straight up yeah on november 7th after i run that 100 kilometers and raised that money i was still fucked i wasn't happy still i was i was still mentally place. like just last november i was still not in a good spot i was still depressed i was still felt like a loser i still felt like a piece of garbage i still felt all the negative toxic things in my head so why did you feel those those because uh, i felt guilty emotions. i just i always beat myself up i sorry i always used to beat myself up I always used to think I was bad because I always thought I was stupid because I, growing up, I was never encouraged. Hey man, you're this, you're that. Or I never really received positive yeah. reinforcement. On the contrary, I was in a fear environment mm-hmm. where I was hit more than the, the, um, the positive things. Right. And you were, like, you would say like, you're, you're always talked down to like you're telling, you should be doing this. You're not doing this. And, Things of that sort. Absolutely, man. That could fuck with you. That could mess with someone's head. A hundred percent. And it's not only that, man. I had an older brother who, awesome, he's a good person, but he wasn't the best older brother. (laughs) Yeah, we got a lot of Right? So, so, um, you know, I'm not surprised now that I reflect back that I was kind of lost. Because the reality is I wasn't a bad person. I just needed some help. And I I just needed to tweak a couple things. And now look what's possible. And under like really under five years when you just square a couple things away and get a little bit of help and just move in a positive direction, we're going to affect millions of people in the next three years. Would you say if you had that positive person in your life earlier to guide you or give you the right advice, things would have been different from you and you wouldn't, some of the stuff that you went through wouldn't have happened. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a great father and he always had good guidance, 
but I wasn't able to receive the information that he was giving it to me. So had I had another individual earlier in my life that I could resonate with and I could connect with on a similar level and they were there to help me and guide me 100%, I would have been doing what I'm doing right now 25 years ago. I'm asking you that because in our community, there's a lot of people like you, you know, Mm -hmm. that go through the same things and they don't have, like people don't know how important like a positive role model or a positive friend in your life is. I'm telling you right now, you could do the exact same shit I'm doing right now. A hundred percent. I'm not fucking different than you. Someone just gave me time and helped me. And all I did was just focus on my skills. So not to say that everyone can do physical activity, but whatever your skill is, maximize it. And whatever that best version of you is, do that. And that is amazing. When that happens, that's amazing. So like when you guys are talking about executing against this podcast and doing an amazing thing for the community, that's going to happen because it's a good intention and you're thinking about doing good work. Mm -hmm. And with that positivity, it will bring other people and that will happen. So the struggle is real. I know, man. And, 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 but the reality is this, and I can tell from my personal experience over this year, meeting tons of different people, everyone is helping me in their own way lifting me up to make sure that we can kind of do something as a collective as a group of people it's not like my community your community it's our community we're all fucking the same thing man like mental health affects all of us i don't even give a shit about what people say so my goal is to do exactly what terry fox did for cancer i was was telling them before the modern day terry fox (laughs) is coming because the, the reality is man um he did something 40 years ago that we can do now and he galvanized an entire country around a common goal, which was cancer. And he died 40 years ago. And he's still raising money to this day, a billion dollars for cancer research. So my goal isn't just to run across Canada. That's just a piece of the goal, a part of it. The actual goal is to affect permanent positive change. So permanently, I want to do something always. So when I'm dead, something's still happening to help people. You left something behind that still. Yeah, man. So, so now in my head, if Terry Fox has already done it, then I can rep- replicate it. It's already been done. So now I can just kind of reverse engineer what he did and then add my sort of intellect to it and force multiply it into such a thing that um, hopefully with everyone's help that we're connecting with, we can make this impact the entire country and we can permanently affect it. And it can be people that look like us, right? 100%. Well, not that it's a bad thing, but like I, I looked up to Terry Fox and I still do. I'm fucking awesome. 20 something years old, doing all that. For me, I can do that. But maybe someone who's younger, growing up 20, 30 years from now, may not have that connection. And we still have that um, Canadian culture, Canadian heritage of running across the country. It's a thing. Yeah, Terry Fox is a name that I've known since I was a kid. A yeah, Canadian man. Name. Like, and that gives people pr- pride, man. I'm proud to be Canadian because of him. And I'm not Wayne Gretzky. I mean, that's great and all that. But Terry Fox, man, like that's next level. Right? This is next level, man. He was like, and I now I know how hard it is what he was doing on one leg on a shitty prosthetic yeah. that was like not good to have on his leg for 10 hours a day. Like fucking epic, man. Amazing. With the so with your the run you're planning on doing, could you explain like what's the sure? So um so my goal in 2025 is to break the record for the fastest run across Canada. Now um that means 
7,300 kilometers in 66 days. 7,300 kilometers. In 66 yeah. days. So that is what, someone want to do the math? Like just over 100 kilometers a day for 66 days, all by running. So now that I've established that, that's fucking hard. And, and the guy who has the record right now, um, he is an endurance, has been an endurance athlete his entire life. Like he's been doing marathons and ultra marathons for 30 years, right? I just got into this a year and a half ago. But the, what, I'm, what I'm just trying to see, I'm an athlete and I work hard. I just want to see what I can do. I want to see what's possible. I think I can beat the record given the time. I don't know, but I'm going to try my fucking ass off. Exactly. And I'm going to do all the things necessary to see what I can do. And I'm going to hire all the people to make sure I can get that done. And I'm going to document everything so that everyone can see that anything is possible given the time and, and like share all that information. We're blessed to be a part of that journey right now. No, I'm blessed to be, done, no, but I'm blessed to be, I'm blessed to be here with you guys yeah. experiencing um, community, uh, 100%. right? Experiencing, um, like, I didn't know what to expect coming here. I haven't been to Toronto in years. I haven't been on a, a podcast like this one before. All the podcasts I've been on have been a certain type, right? And so I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what you wanted to hear or whatnot, but I feel the love, right? For sure. And, and for me, that's all I care about. Everything, like, I mean, you can ask fucking Jacob or even uh, Julia, man. Shout I, out Jacob and Julia. Yeah. In the background, you guys will see them on camera. <laughs> for me, money doesn't matter to me. I don't give a fuck about money. Straight. Straight. I don't. You give all the money in the world to me. Z zero Mentally. fucks with money. It's not a, like I like it, but I'm, it's not motivating me. I'm not motivated by it. I'm motivated motivated by helping people and by achieving my maximum optimal sort of performance. And whatever that means, I'm sure money will come from that if it needs to. But my goal is same as yours because that's why I'm so stoked to talk to you. You want to build this platform and help people. I want to do the exact same yeah. thing. So I'm trying to build a YouTube channel. And my goal is in the next five years to have 1 million subscribers in five years. A reasonable goal. Now, when we have a million subscribers on, in five years, you're looking at about, I don't know, five, six hundred grand a year. Mm -hmm. So now you're generating five, six hundred grand a year. I don't need that much money. You'll be helping out, giving back. Now I start giving that to people that need it. Exactly. And then I can start. Uh, there's a charity I'm helping that I support all the time. It's called Honor House. And it's a small charity. It only has one employee. Everything else is done by volunteers. And what they do is help support any veteran or current military person or any paramedic, firefighter, cop, whatever, who has PTSD or some serious mental health issues. They can stay there for free. And they, they can house five or six different families there, not just by themselves. So the money I'm trying, uh, the money I'm generating right now and raising is going towards building a ranch in a town called Ashcroft, BC. It's about 345 kilometers from Vancouver. And they're building 10 cabins with all the cutting edge therapies and treatments for those people to go there. And they can go there free of charge and their families can stay with them as long as they need. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to raise $30,000 this year to, to, to donate to that. And we've raised about 7,000 so far. And how I've been getting the attention is by me running, by me doing Instagram, by me doing social media. And that's how I've been doing it. So the goal is in the next five years to have a million subscribers, I can have generate five, six hundred thousand dollars and now we can start donating that money directly to Honor House. All I need is like fifty grand a year. And then everyone else who, you know, we can start 
reinvesting that into the YouTube channel, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. So now if you're generating that money, you just dump more in, create more content that helps people. So I'll, my goal is to, you know, do different type of challenges. Maybe I do a marathon. Maybe I do a triathlon. Maybe I come here and we do content around this. Maybe I go this morning. I met this multimillionaire guy who's an amazing person, who's an exceptional entrepreneur. I just sat with him and talked for an hour and we just recorded it. Right. Nice. Just shit like that. Because now I'm getting opportunities where I can meet these types of people. Exactly. And if I can get help, why wouldn't I show that to other people? And That's if those people thing. can help somebody else. That's a big thing, man. Right. People, so if I can, if I can, with my few skills that I have, can be like a conduit to kind of apply or have people have access to other things. Cool, man. So the analogy I kind of use is my goal is to eventually be a battery, right? So like, let's say in 10 years from now, I'm a battery over here. And anybody who's like-minded and around me and, and part of the community, they can plug into that battery and just get whatever they need energy out of it. That's kind of how I look at it. What's the battery in your back that makes you want to do these runs? What, what drives you? My purpose, my purpose, my purpose is to help people. With the purpose of having that goal, with the purpose of being greater, my purpose is greater than myself. I don't give a fuck about money. So if my purpose is greater than myself, then I'll sacrifice everything to get it. Right? I don't care. I was supposed to be with my daughter yesterday. I flew here. So I'm, I'm making major sacrifices to do what I'm doing. And my daughter understands that it's a short time. So I got to work my ass off over the next two, three years because I don't want to take away any more time from my daughter. I truly believe if you have to do great, if you're trying to do great things, there's going to be things that have to be sacrificed for real. So I, I understand that other people may not. That's fine. That's okay. But my, me and my daughter, we have a conversation. I let her know, hey, I got to do a few things here. But now in the next couple of years, you won't have to worry about a thing. And, and not even, it doesn't even have to worry about money. Can you imagine what that would do for um, my daughter, knowing that her father ran across this country and raised a million dollars for people that needed it? They'll drive her. She'll be proud. It'll do, it'll do it's, more than, it's more than a billion dollars like giving an inheritance. It's How more old than is that. your daughter? She's five. Nice. And what type of messaging do you instill in her since you're doing this heroic thing right now? I speak to her every single day about being compassionate, but not judging people, being empathetic. And if you can help, help. If you're able to help people, then help them. If you can't, then that's okay. There's no... My, what I've learned over this last little journey, there's no degree of helping. Either you are or you aren't. It's, it's no I helped you more or not. It's you are or you aren't, right? So I just want to help people. It's, it's not, I don't know. And we, I was talking to Jacob about this the other day. We were, uh, we were talking about connectivity and how we're all con connected. Yeah. And, um, and qu <laughs> quantum entanglement. Look it up. I gotta Google that. Yeah, quantum entanglement. The theory behind that is essentially like, was it atoms or neurons? Okay, so you're 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 an atom, right? And you can split that atom in half, and you can put these halves of an atom. One atom is here, and one atom is in Somalia. Let's say they still are affected, no matter the distance. It's scientifically proven. So what that means is you and I are part of the same atoms. Right? Scientifically proven, the Big Bang Theory. We all came from the same explosion. We all came from the same science project. So theoretically, we are, are actually scientifically connected through quantum entanglement. So if I don't help you, I'm fucking myself over. I'm not helping you. Right? So if I don't help you, I'm not helping myself. If I help you, I'm helping everyone. 
Help me. Right? So that means we're all connected. Have a long line of people, you know? Right, that's the yeah, point. Without you even knowing, just helping me. Yeah, so but that, that, so with that understanding, it's even easier to do what I'm doing because I'm helping myself. <laughs> so I help you, I help me. The understanding. It's, it, the, it's, it's framing it differently, and, and the reality is that. So then that also helps. Now, I'm not a saint, right? It'll take time for me to adopt this and internalize this over five years, 10 years. In 10 years, I won't probably, if with this methodology and this thinking, my ego will not be present. I won't need any credit for anything. I won't care. It's just all about people doing better. And then, so if, that's the goal for me. I want to eventually get to the point where I don't need any, atten- any credit or any validation. Where I, I, my ego still gets affected when I don't get those things. And I, I'm still working on that stuff. But eventually I get to the point where it's like, okay, cool. Awesome, good. You did that, and I don't need any credit. Whatever. Could you tell me about your the the law enforcement, the, the, your career there? So I worked uh, eighteen years, um, just transitioning out now, and uh, worked for eighteen years as a law enforcement officer. Uh, I don't represent the agency. I work for Canada Border Services Agency, uh, great agency, great employer. But I'm not representing them. I don't speak on their behalf or anything. But I can speak to my personal experiences, and my personal experience has been great. It's been an awesome organization to work for, and they always, um, you know, I learned a lot, and I wouldn't be here where I am today with the understandings of the world that I have and of different cultures and different people had I not worked there. Like, I know about Somalia. I know about uh, how people have been affected there, and I know how people have come to Canada. And so, like, that's a cool thing to know, right? And, and, and it's good to know people's history a little bit. I don't know a lot of it, but... And then being also compassionate towards those things. So having those understandings and also being able to question people and these types of things. Now, being in this sort of environment now, I know how to talk to people. It makes it easier. It makes it a little bit easier. So I can just tweak a few things and I can transition into this environment a little bit better, I think. You talk, about, you talk a lot about judging, judging. What, like, what makes you think a person would judge somebody? Because that's, like, everyone judges. Like, I, me personally, I try my best. Yeah. But knowing like my sins what I've been through yeah. the things I've done like I try my best not to judge another human being why do you think people judge people I don't know I, again I can only speak for myself and when I used to judge people I used to judge them based on my own ego issues my own insecurities my own inadequacy I feel, I feel like it's done from insecurities yeah. so because the reality is man I don't really care about what people think about me anymore because I'm too busy doing what i need to do you know your purpose yeah you know so so, so now I, I i'm not occupied by that anymore so now it's a, there's been a shift to be honest because i'm so consumed and occupied with my purpose in life that i don't really pay attention to anything outside of what it has to do with that so if i'm having a conversation with someone and it's not contributing to what we're what i'm trying to do right now i'm i'm pretty disengaged like I'm, exactly I'm, I'm, and it's it's probably not the greatest thing like, I can go out for dinner, and if people are just talking about random things, I'll just stay there quiet and not say shit, just because I don't find it. Vibe's not there. It's not there, and it's like, I don't, like, it's okay. You guys can talk about whatever, but I I don't have interest in having these conversations. Exactly. So We were talking earlier about how important it is to have, like, you were talking about Julia, how important it is to have somebody that's positive in your life. Like, Oh, she's not a, she's not uh, a partner or anything. Just so we're no, clear. No, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> she's a, she's a, a Magnum athlete. We're both athletes and we're shout friends. Out, shout out Magnum. Yeah. They're going to have to sponsor us. Yeah. You know how? Hey, you know, you know what? Listen, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, right? I'll be very honest. Marcus Coleus, he's an awesome 
person. He's the CEO of, of Magnum, right? And um, no one gave me a fucking chance. Like when I'm talking to people saying, oh, I want to run across Canada, do this, that, and the other. No one was listening to me. Everyone thought I was, who the fuck are you? Like, you've never ran before. What are you talking about? You're, you're a bodybuilder or whatever. Like, no one gave me the time of day. No, no one. Marcus did. He listened to you. He listened to me. And he invited me to his office. And he, I sat down and he said, what do you got going on? Let's talk. And I shared my story. And he was, from there, he was all in. So he, he, at least my experience with him, he appreciates integrity. And he appreciates people who want to do good things and who want to work hard. If you want to work hard and help people and, and do the best that you can through your skills, he's, he's a good guy, man. You don't need a, a million people to listen. You just need that right person to listen. I think so. Yeah. I think, well, it seems to be the case, man, because he listened to me. And, and since the, he, I signed the contract in May of this year, um, things have been moving in a positive direction for Amazing. me. Right. And, and, and that's a big company, right? It's not like a small company. It's a multi-million dollar company. Services 40 different countries and their product is amazing. Nice. Like I use it all the time. Like, nice. and I'm an, I am an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm running almost every single day and I'm executing against as high a standard as I possibly can with the skills that I have with the time that I've put in. And in short time, like in a year and a half, I've gone from not run, or let's say two years, from two years running, let's say 5K in 40 minutes to I can execute against running 42 kilometers every single day. Crazy. I can do that every single day. Crazy. What type of product do they have? So they have everything. They have protein. They have, they have their new vegan proteins coming out soon. And look, man, I'm, I don't pump a lot of stuff, to be honest. I don't, but I always wanted to align with Magnum even before. But I, wasn't, uh, I didn't know, have the connections at the time. But their product, their protein tastes good. They're always made with high quality stuff. I'm running all the time. I always want to put the best stuff in my body. I don't want garbage in it, right? Yeah. So I use something. I use their protein every day. I use their glutamine every day. I use uh, their pre-workout called Limitless every day when I work out and stuff. And that, for me, I use pre-workouts all the time. And it's, it's just combined well and tastes good. So it's not like crappy tasting thing. Mm. And then I use, what else do I use? I use their multivitamin pack every day, which is like a, a holistic sort of multivitamin that has like nine different vitamins in it and it covers it everything i gotta check it out yeah man and if you ever want anything on it let me like let me know you can use my uh, discount codes yeah, for sure. and that's it's right there that's the primer pack we use this every single day it's, the primer pack. Yeah, like, look at it. it's got like nine different vitamins in it i take that every single morning man nine different vitamins yeah like it's got like it breaks it all down in the box it's, it basically has um your your uh fatty uh what's it got again your uh, um omega-3s yeah, fish oils, all the, all the different sort of anti-inflammatories and multivitamins that you require for the day, right? Yeah. So I take that. I also take something called DNA on my, before I take my long runs. And the, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a pill that I take. Yeah. And what it does, it provides branched-chain amino acids and also yeah. B vitamins. And it helps me on long-duration runs. So when I'm running for long periods of time, <laughs> it's, it, it just makes me feel a little bit less lactic acid. Yeah. I also use something called Magnum Volume when I'm lifting. And what that does, it funnels a lot more oxygen and water into your muscles. So it expands your muscles a little bit more so you can get more nutrients into it. Mm-hmm. So I use that every time I lift. So I use all their stuff all the time. Nice. And for me, that's important because I am trying to do something like break a record. I'm using the best products on the, mm-hmm. 
from my perspective, the best product on the planet. You did did your research. I did my research. I wasn't messing around. And he's like-minded person. I want to align myself with people that are doing good things for good Mm. people. And I don't want to be around any negativity. So Mm. it was a perfect fit. And, you know, anybody that believes in me when no one else is, and he might, I suspect, you know, he's been around a lot of amazing athletes. And I haven't. I'm just myself. And if someone like that can see something in me, man, that's pretty cool. And that made me feel pretty good. Like, that elevated me and it made me feel confident. So I was like, okay, I got something here. Nice. Yeah, man. Well, okay. When you were making the changes in your life, when you were going through your dark times yeah. and you, uh, the pandemic and everything, would you say you started connecting with like-minded people, people who could help you? Because I spoke about it before. Like you could have, like you, be, you could be trying to go on the right path and then enter like see a group of old friends or a, or a group of people and they're talking negativity, it could like throw you off right away, you know, mm-hmm. and crush everything that you're trying to do. Like something could pollute your mind instantly. Mm-hmm. How important is it to like stay away from that when you're trying to make a change in your life? For me, super important. Um, it took me some time to get there though, because mm-hmm. I kept some people in my life that weren't negative or bad. It's just, mm-hmm. it just wasn't providing the right energy mm-hmm. and that was slowing me down. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had to make a difficult decision and I've had to make very difficult decisions over the last year on things to sacrifice. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm a dog handler, right? Mm-hmm. I, I work canine handler and I work a dog and I had for the last four years, I had to make a decision. And as a canine handler, it's probably the best job you can get in any law enforcement career, right? The best gig. I gave up the dog and I gave up the position. Because, and that was, as you can imagine, it would be a hard experience because most canine handlers are pretty close with their, their partners. Yeah. And, right. and so I had to make a difficult decision because I couldn't do both. Now, at the time, I was scared because this over here, I didn't think was going to bear any fruit. Right. Yeah. But this was bearing fruit and I had a gig and I was p- pension, $2 million pension when I retire. Like, I'm, I'm good. I make $100,000 a year. I'm good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I gave it up to do something that was paying me zero, nothing, with no certainty, with no future, potentially. Mm-hmm. So I was scared shitless, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like on the verge of making what decision, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. But I pulled the trigger. And it was one of the hardest decisions I made just because it was an emotional one. And it was very painful. But I was also thinking, well, if I'm not going to be working the job as well as I can, I got to think about her. And if she's not going to be working, then what's she going to be doing? Then she's going to be deteriorating and let her go back to work. I'm not going to work. She can. So that was the decision I made. And then I went to this side, not sure what was going to happen, but I kept grinding. And then now I'm, I'm not bearing any fruit yet in, in terms of financial fruit, but man, what do you call something? That's like a, a ton of fruit. There's gotta be a word for that, right? Fruit bowl, fruit salad, mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's a lot of fruit. because a lot of fruits being had man this right here is fruit for me Mm -hmm. right and um meeting these people i'm meeting going on these runs like everything man it's just fucking awesome the money isn't quite there yet but that's gonna come i remember i was yeah about to get something from me even if it's not money you're gonna gonna benefit off and i was watching joe rogan's podcast about six seven years ago and i still watch it Mm -hmm. because i like it yeah, see, one of your goals is to get on there. Yeah, I, I will. This ain't Joe Rogan's podcast, but... It, 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 hey, listen, man, the, it, it will be if you want it to be. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah. And so, for me, this is one of the most fun experiences I've had on a podcast, to be honest. 
I was watching Joe Rogan's podcast and Gog- that's what I was going to say. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and Joe, uh, David Goggins was on it when he was first on it. I can't remember. It was like six years ago and no one knew who the hell he was really. And he, people were kind of hearing who he was from time to time, but he didn't have any money. He was living in one bedroom apartment and he was broke. And he just, he, and Joe Rogan's like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm in the one bedroom apartment. It's whatever. And Joe Rogan just kept talking. He was like, yeah, money will come. This is what Goggins was saying while he was not making it. He's like, yeah, money will come. I know. Because he knows with discipline and you do the same thing over and over again, you're going to get better at it. And the more you do the same thing over and over, because that's what I was watching you guys when you were starting, right? You guys are focused on improving your craft. All the time, yeah. Right? Keep that 1% every day, right? Yeah. Atomic habits, right? Just be better every single day. So that's kind of the mentality. It's just do your best in the moment. Do the best. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just right in this moment, I'm doing my best with you. And as long as you're doing your best in the moment every single time and don't think about anything after that or before it, you're always going to do well. Because if you're doing your best in the moment, that's not bad. Even if you're doing your best in the, like, a, let's say if I'm in a jiu-jitsu tournament and I lose both matches and I don't get any medals. Now, that's only a loss if I don't do something with it and observe what happened in those and then take away some information as to how I don't repeat those errors or whatever or improve myself to be better next time so when I do fight again, those errors won't happen again. I might lose again. But the same things won't happen. That's okay. So as long as we're improving every day, as long as, and not just one thing. Now, how do you improve every day? Well, the one way I've been doing it is by doing it with everything, not just with one thing. So what am I not good at? I'm not good at like communicating with people. So I'm going to do it all the fucking time. I'm going to go for coffees. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to do whatever. I'm not good at that. So I'm going to practice. I'm not good at reading. Okay, well, I'm going to read every fucking day. And it doesn't even matter what I'm reading. I'm going to pick it up and read it. And then through that habit, I'm going to learn what I like to read. And then I'm not good at writing. Okay, maybe I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start practicing my writing because I want to improve that every single day. Because eventually, you know, I just want to be a more thoughtful person. And if I'm a more thoughtful person, then if I'm able to write better, then I can express myself better. And then maybe people can hear what I'm trying to deliver better based on those skills. So it's all about me trying to be better for myself and everyone around me. Right. So that's always been an, like, I've always had that sort of feeling. I like the last couple of years, I just, actually, when I got separated and divorced, my first mantra was, I just want to be a better person for everyone around me. Mm-hmm. That's what got me started. I just want to be better because I wasn't a good dad. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a good like um, spouse or, you know, I wanted to be, I didn't want to go through a divorce again. Mm-hmm. Right. All yeah, these things. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, man, I want to do better on everything. So that's kind of like the model I'm adopting now. And, uh, where I'm just kind of like everything I do now, if it's something I like or I'm interested with, I'm going to do it better every single day and I'm going to improve it. I like drinking coffee. So I'm not going to, I want to have a better experience when I drink coffee every day. If I'm drinking it two, three times a day, why am I going to Tim Hortons? Yeah. You're going to a different coffee spot. Right. And, yeah. and why don't I understand more about coffee? Why don't I exp- enrich my life by understanding the thing that I'm doing all the time? Mm-hmm. Right. So why don't I just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to learn more about coffee because I love it. And then in the mornings, I'm going to have an experience 
pour over my coffee, grind the bean, we'll do all the things. Yeah. And then I can sit there, have an experience with a Ethiopian type of coffee and whatever. It's done this, that, and the other. And I can sit there, read a book. Now my life is better. Yeah, you're drinking the best coffee and you're reading a book at the same time. But now I'm enjoying my life. For most of my life, I thought life sucked. I thought there was no joy in life. I thought life was just, okay, you just kind of endure it. And then you, that's it. You, is, there's no happiness. There's no joy. I never had joy in life. I had moments of kind of right. whatever. Now my mentality has shifted entirely. My whole existence wants to be joyful. So how do I create that? That's also addition, like what I'm figuring out is by doing what I'm authentically meant to do, I'm living my purpose. So that means I'm always going to be happy. Great. Right? Logically. And so now, like, yeah, I don't have tons of money, man. But like I said, it doesn't matter to me. I'm having the best time right now. Would you say you're happy? Hell yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Like right now, I'm happier than I've been in my life because I, I know what I'm doing is, is I like doing it and I feel like I'm making a, some kind of impact and at least some of the money that we're generating and raising is going to help people tangibly and, and also I'm seeing growth in my sort of sphere as it relates to say social media. I'm seeing significant growth there. That's exciting for me. I'm like, oh, I'm doing something kind of cool here. And it's actually above average. And I don't have that many followers. And oh, that's kind of interesting. What's going on? That all comes. No, but, but for me, I'm happy with that. I got like 2,000 followers, but my engagement's like 15, 20%. So like I'm getting way more uh, shares and traction than anything that a 2,000, like with those followers should be getting. So I'm ecstatic that what that tells me is that community has been developed. The foundation's been created. So all I have to do is continue doing the same thing and it just grows and grows and grows. Exactly. So it's, that's why I'm happy, man. Cause exactly. I put in the hard work over the last two or three years and I know it's going to get there because the foundation has been set. I'm at the point where David Goggins was in that Joe Rogan podcast where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm not worried. It'll come. Yeah. We're good. Did you say that was the first domino to fall that you saying I need to be better for the people around me? Yeah. How did that trigger to the next how did you see the you so, getting better to reflect on other people? I haven't, I didn't see that for a while. Yeah. I, it, it took a long, it really maybe the last few months because I was so consumed with what I was trying to do and how to just be better in the moment. I was living day to day almost, right? I was just, I was struggling. I was just trying to survive <laughs> mentally, right? And um, so I was just like, oh, fuck, man, what do I got to do? Okay, I'm just gonna, next Thursday, I got to see my psychologist. Okay. It was just like almost day by day. It wasn't like, advanced thinking and as soon as i kind of regulated a bit more and, and kind of calmed my state then i could add more to it i can add more to it i can add more to it. it's not an it's not an easy road For sure. it's, a, it's a very it's not a linear road either and mm. people hear this all the time on social media like we hear all we're talking about we've heard it millions of times mm. but it's all about if it's going to click in your head right now you're going to do it right you know? and understand that it's going to be hard but still do it so to, to, to illustrate i've recently now i understand things because i'm living it mm. so when you hear these things on social media you know it's not a linear line this that and the other you understand it but it doesn't hit right but now i'm it's hitting with me because i'm living it i'm uh, experiencing it in real time so it's pretty uh, surreal because <laughs> I'm doing all the things and it's like yeah now that's great because there's so much people dealing with different type of issues mental health PTSD addictions yeah. you know but so and, as I understand man addictions all addiction is mental health mm -hmm. 
and it's, it's trauma related. So anybody who's addicted has experienced trauma in their life, every single person, right? Yeah. So if I was addicted, I was addicted to certain types of behaviors. I have had trauma. So anybody who isn't addicted to something most definitely hasn't had trauma, but doesn't necessarily mean they haven't. So like, for example, like, um, there are people that are somewhat well-adjusted that you can kind of just tell that they haven't really experienced too many difficulties, right? For sure. So they likely won't get addicted to anything because they haven't experienced significant trauma. People who have ex experienced trauma w won't necessarily 100% be addicted, but if they are addicted, they are people who have experienced trauma. That makes sense? Yeah. 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 So um, that was new to me because I thought addiction was genetic and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you say it's trauma based most it's, of the time. Yes. It's trauma based. It's sure. just it just manifests through kind of like a genetic predisposition because trauma is genetic. So that's what it looks like. Do you see any of the stuff that your dad has been through and we've we have we have covered some of the negative that you've taken in front of it, but sure. his commitment from going to India to England, then England mm -hmm. to Texas, have you have you seen anything from him that you've seen in yourself? While you're going through your changes? Yeah. I mean, I, I see my anger. <laughs> and I see, look, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm more like my dad than, than uh, my brother is, I think, personally, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an overthinker and so is my dad. And he thinks a lot and he analyzes things and he kind of over, like, that's an anxiety trait, right? So I, I think there's similarities there. And, but yeah, no, there are similarities, but in terms of my changes, like, um, I don't know, like my dad, the likelihood of him doing what I've done is not going to happen. <laughs> he's, he's like almost 80, but I can have conversations with him and he can still support me and he can still, you know, do all the things that, that are necessary. Um, you know, I understand how he feels. I know where he's at now and I'm good. We're good and we're, we're chill. We hang out all the time. And That's great. I see him once a week. And um, oh, he moved back from yeah. He's he, he, both my parents have moved back from India. They moved back uh, some time ago. Um, so they live in in the Vancouver area now. So I, they're pretty. You know, they see my daughter once a week. And actually, my daughter's probably with them right now. Yeah. So it's you know, look, I'm blessed as it relates to all that stuff. Like the way our my family kind of went through things. My my parents also did that too it wasn't just me and my brother my brother also he re rebound and he excelled quite quite a lot too right so i was the slowest one to kind of climb back out my brother was like a big music producer and did a lot of punjabi music like he was well known everywhere um he's just retired from the business thing but he he did that for 20 years and like anybody who's in the indian music scene knows who he is so he, he excelled quite exceptionally, and he probably had way more trauma than I experienced in life. I used to tour with him, too. But when he used to go on tours and DJ at clubs and stuff, I used to tour with him. And there's another, all, the, all kinds of levels of trauma associated with that. Other stuff that we experienced there, too, right? You know, fights and shit like that and, and whatever else that's associated. The gang life and atmosphere around it. But, um, yeah, so, like, I was around people. Like, my brother, my dad, we're all these people. I was just able to realize what my true purpose was and remove a lot of the traumas or at least mitigate some of the traumas so that I'm able to navigate through life better. And that's why I'll be able to excel far further than them and transcend everything. Because I, I'm, 
I'm pretty exceptional. If you give me enough time, I'll pretty much do anything I'm saying I'm going to do. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. And, and I don't want to sound arrogant or anything, but that's a fact. And I've proven it over the last three years. I've, ex- I've executed against a lot of the things that I've said I was going to do, but I've exceeded what I said I was going to do every single time. And that's not because I'm amazing or anything. I'm doing something I'm meant to do. That's why I'm exceptional at it. It's what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. I was made to do exactly this. I want to ask you a question. How, because there's a lot of people that are, have relationships and marriage and they don't like, nobody, nobody teaches us really about marriage. And a lot of people don't come from homes where it's a happy couple, you know? Sure. And their parents might not, not have known how to be in a marriage themselves. So they don't have the right like guidance. How tough was the divorce for you? How, like, and what could you have changed in that man. marriage? Everything. <laughs> I can yeah. imagine the divorce is traumatizing. Yeah, man. So, no, to be honest, like, I shouldn't have got married. I wasn't ready to be in a relationship to begin with. I hadn't done the work to start. So to answer that question, I can't even answer it. Because I did all the things wrong. But I, th- I thought I was doing all the things correctly. I had a nice job and, you know, we had a house and doing this thing. The modeling of what I understood was incorrect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reality was very different. And I wasn't. And I can say this now. I wasn't a good husband. I didn't understand what that meant. And I've worked really hard to try to be a better person so that I understand how to be a better husband now. Um, the infidelity stuff, that was more, I was, it may sound strange, but that was more trauma responses. And, and, and also uh, when I was, I would be, drunk a lot of times and I would do things that I would regret so those are all combined with trauma and um, sort of addictive behaviors as soon as I removed the or mitigated the, the responses and, and removed alcohol together I mean those, that solved the problem I was so <laughs> I was in, in, in a state so so to, to answer the question um, I sh- probably shouldn't have but having said that I unplugged, I realized the things, you know, worked on the things that I thought I needed to correct. Look, my, my ex-wife wasn't perfect, but she most certainly didn't deserve anything that mm. she received from my end. And, and, and so that's why I wanted to own my responsibility in that. So most, of, at least from my understanding and my experiences, when I talk to a lot of guys or whatever, when they go through divorces and stuff, um, I'm an all-in type of guy. And if I say I'm going to own my responsibilities, I own my responsibilities, right? So we had a nice house. It was worth a lot of money. And I wanted to own my responsibility. And my ex-wife didn't anticipate having to pay for a house by herself or having to sell a house or having to, you know, uproot our daughter and all these things. So I elected to, you know, not, we decided not to sell the house so my daughter and she could have a nice house and stay there and the house was you know 1.2 million in and around there and um i didn't walk away with anything really <laughs> maybe like a small amount of, you know enough i mean enough where i was fine with and it was okay but um but that was me taking responsibility for that yeah, and i yeah. felt like you know what um she didn't ex- deserve any of that and let's just accommodate the least i could do yeah let's accommodate the scenario let's make it less stressful for her because my also what i was thinking is my daughter and she was also thinking about our daughter, as she always does. And a, a less stressed mother is a better mother. 100%. A lot so, of men yeah. need to realize that. So I thought, fuck, I can handle 
a lot. <laughs> I can take being in a basement suite. I can take not having any money. I can take struggling. I can do all those things. But I, it'd be doing all those things and being a dad all the time is going to be really hard. But I can do all those things and she can have the house and she can do all the good things as a mom. And she can have less stress. She can be happy. And so my daughter will get in the return of that investment. Mm-hmm. So my daughter gets all the goodness. And then over a period of time, I was thinking strategically too, over five or 10 years, now me and my ex are friends. Amazing. So now if we want to, now we, hang, we, we don't hang out, but we talk. And, you know, I get supplements for her and, you know, whatever, right? And then now it's not perfect, but let's say another two or three years with continued like this. Now we're having Christmas dinners together. Now we're doing Thanksgiving. That's the goal. Not so we can hang out, but so my daughter has the, all of us around. That's how I think. Or that's how I'm trying to think more like. Yeah. What advice would you have for men that are planning to get married or are married right now? Kind of have either a stable or successful marriage. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, man, I can only speak for my, look, I, I'm a track record zero for one. So uh, you don't want marriage advice from me. Now, having said that, I'm not getting married again until, no, I don't plan on getting married. But if someone comes into my life that is just like, holy moly, I got to get married. I'm going to make sure that we are compatible, that we align, that we have the same sort of, not visions, but same sort of way the direction our lives want to go. Because I think if you're aligned um, with purpose, because I only want someone coming into my life that's going to elevate me, man. And that includes a spouse. I don't want a spouse bringing me down. I want to fucking do some greatness. So we need to keep moving. So someone has to align with that. And I think if we're going to align, then anything's possible. And as long as you're communicating, and if you're communicating regularly, there's no reason why you can't find a solution for anything. And that goes with any relationship, I think. If you're with friends, if we get in a fight tomorrow, it's my ego gets in the way and I'll say, fuck him, I'm not talking to him. But the reality is, no, I love you, right? It's my ego saying no. So I'm going to just say, you know what, whatever, I'm going to call you. And then we, let's have a conversation. Let's just talk it out. And through conversation, my experience is that usually solves everything. 100%. Right? So I think a lot of times, you know, throw your ego away. If you're a dude, you don't know everything. And trust me, I used to think that. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to be the guy who, you know, I'm a tough guy. I can fucking do all kinds of yeah. shit. Yeah. I don't know shit, man. And now I know more that I don't know nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Once you know you don't know anything, you know something, you know? Yeah, and that's all I know, man. One percent. <laughs> okay. so, before we wrap up, yeah, I need, man. like I want you to give our, our podcast is all about the youth. Yeah, man. I want you to give advice to and all our youth or anybody that may be going through traumatic experiences, PTSD, anything of that sort, yeah. depression. Yeah. What advice do you have for everyone? Um You're not alone, number one. So if you feel like you're alone. You're not, and the, and that sounds so cli- sounds cliche, but the reality is, I used to think I was alone all the time, and I know I'm not. So you're not alone. Number one, number two, um, if you feel that darkness, reach out to anybody. Go on Instagram, reach out to me. I'll fucking talk to you, like straight up. Yeah. That's my job now. If someone needs someone to talk to, message me, nice. call me. Like I, I don't care. Because that's what I, um, I know how it feels like when no one's listening to you. I know how it feels like when no one wants to talk to you. And I know how hard it can be in those scenarios. So you're not alone. Reach out. Reach out. 
don't do anything stupid. And there's always a solution. You're not a loser, right? Just everyone is worth it. Yeah, people need to hear that because everyone is. And I'll explain. I want to give this one little story that will illustrate what I'm talking about. I'm an Indo-Canadian guy, right? I'm brown. Punjabi kid. Was born in London, Ontario. Grew up in Toronto. Went to Dallas and then moved to Vancouver. Right? Um, my friend named Sean Taylor. He's an Irish guy. Was born in Ireland. Moved to Canada some years ago. He's 60 years old. Actually, 59 maybe. I don't know. Caucasian fella. From a small town in BC. 10 hours from where I live. I'm a Punjabi kid. And I did something that maybe got some attention running that 100K. And he connected with me. And I was in a dark spot. Like very, very dark. And he did for me what I'm saying I'll do for anyone else. I'm paying it forward. He called me, Zoom called me every single day or at least three, four times a week for two hours a day for two, three months. Wow. Saved my fucking life. Straight up. And he's a tier one operator. Do you guys know what tier one operators are? You guys heard of Jocko Willink? Have you heard of JTF2? Or uh, how about Navy SEALs? Have you heard of the Navy SEALs? Okay. JTF2 is Canada's equivalent. So they're special forces um, tier one operators. And the reason why that's kind of notable is because they've had all kinds of physical and mental training that none of us have experienced and that has leveled them up mentally as it relates to the resilience and resolve so he he helped me and he didn't have to and he was a guy that didn't know me at all and so he did that because he knew what quantum entanglement i am him so him helping me helping himself and that turns him into someone who helps millions of people, right? So anyone can call me, man. If you're down out and you feel like you're, no one's listening, you can message me. I'll, I'll listen to you. I mean, if, if I'm able to help, I'll help. I can't guarantee it. But I'll, I'll you know, if you, if you need somebody, I mean, and no one else is communicating with you, I'll fucking call me. I'll do a Zoom call with you. Right. Straight up. And that's my life. I don't care. For sure. That's the way it is. So that's sure. so that's what I'm saying. You're not alone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, brother. Appreciate you, man. It was a nice one. Yeah. Another one. You you want to plug it in? Yeah, you guys. Oh, yeah. Show. So you get out there? yeah, man. So um, my Instagram is at Satch in Motion. So yeah, at Satch in Motion with dots. So it's Satch dot in dot Motion. And my website is SatchinMotion.ca, and the YouTube YouTube is the same. And um. And I'm, I'm, yeah, the charity I'm supporting is called Honor House. So if you guys have the time, if you have a dollar or, or 50 cents, it doesn't really even matter. Anybody who's listening to this, um, if you can, go to my website. You can click donate. And um, if you make a donation, you get a Canadian tax receipt. I don't ta- touch any of the money. It goes directly to PayPal and goes directly to the charity. So it's all done legitimately. I don't touch anything. And any money, like, like there's no small amount, right? And if anyone is able to, find it in their hearts to donate a little bit of money to this cause um this year i've run i'll be running tomorrow 42 kilometers on the toronto marathon on november 6th i'll be running 80 kilometers in my local area 
and and I'll be raising money again, and then that'll be my last run for the year, and then I will kick off uh, another season of fundraising next year when I do uh, runs throughout the year again, where there'll be massive ones. But I think next year I'll I'll make even bigger ones. <laughs> nice, yeah, man. Nice. Thanks, guys. guys. I appreciate you. Round of applause. Thanks, guys. That's another one. Voices, Thank voices you. on the staircase. We out. We appreciate you coming. I appreciate another you, bro. One. Take care. Thanks, guys. Okay. Yeah, man. man. Come into the case, he's trying to smoke, I'm trying to light up his...